Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell. I'm glad you're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the Kingdom of God. This is episode 60 of the Jesus Society Podcast. Uh, We did not have an episode last week. Um, It was a crazy week for me. I had a, uh, a lot on my plate and I just couldn't make the brain space um, to do a good episode. I could have cranked out something that was less than good, but I didn't want to waste your time in doing that, so I didn't do that. Uh, But this is a new week. Um, Last week is not this week. So we're doing uh, an episode, and I think um, I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, One of the things, um, well, I think this is important. That said, I always think whatever episode I'm working on is important, but um, this, I'm, I'm trying to, I've been trying to think about how to, how to make the point. Um, I have a vision of the kingdom of God that is, um, that, that I think it's God's vision. It's not mine. It's God's vision. Um, the kingdom of God is a, is a, it's a group of people that make a difference in the world. There, we're we're attractive in in all the ways that we that we think we ought to be, right? Um, and I've been trying to figure out how to how to communicate that in a way that's compelling. Our our tagline for the show is exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. Those things are all a part of this, but but today I want to focus on the relationship piece of that because I think those of us in the kingdom of God, Christians, we should have relationships that that should just just we should have the best relationships in the world, and those relationships should be attractive. We should be the kind of people everybody wants to have in their life because. We just bring blessing and goodness and and all sorts of wonderful things, right? Jesus was the kind of person everybody wanted to be around Jesus because he was just the way he was, right? He was he was always loving. He was always kind. He was truthful. He was honest. Um, he he was full of justice and peace and all the good stuff, right? And everybody found themselves attracted to him. We ought to be that way. Okay, so so I want to talk about the relationship piece today, and my conviction again is that the kingdom of God is God's society on earth, God's family. So, way back in the book of Genesis, chapter twelve, uh, verses one through three, God calls Abraham, and we've we've talked about this uh, calling of Abraham in in a previous episode. And I'll put the link to that down in the show notes. But it is a it this is a pivotal passage in the book of Genesis. In fact, it's a pivotal passage in the Old Testament. But one of the things that God tells Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, my kind of paraphrase, is that he intends to create from Abraham a family. And there will be blessing within that family, but that family that God will create through Abraham also has a purpose in God's world. Through God's own special family, who will be called Israel, and if you're a Christian today, you are part of the new Israel, okay? So all this stuff applies to you and me. 
Through God's special family, according to Genesis 12, verse 3, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God's family is to be a certain kind of people in the world, a people of blessing. And a big piece of our ability to function as a blessing to one another and to the larger world involves the way we relate to one another, right? If, we're, if, we're, if we don't have good relationships, we're not going to bless each other and we're not going to bless anybody else in the world, right? If we're always fighting, if we're always arguing, if we're unkind to one another, all that, all that stuff, we're not going to bless each other and we're sure not going to be a blessing to the world because who wants to be part of a group of people like that? So that's what we're going to talk about today. What does this family that God wants to create and is trying to create and has created, what does that family look like relationally? And to begin to flesh that out, there's a couple of New Testament words that I want to draw your attention to. The first is uh, the Greek word koinonia. Now, you've, you may, if you've been a Christian for a while, you may have heard of that word. We, we talk about Greek words sometimes because the New Testament was written in Greek, and there's some neat words in the New Testament that don't always have real easy translation into English. So sometimes we just use the Greek word and talk about what it means. So the word is koinonia. Now, what does that word mean? Well, there's a, there's a couple of related ideas. Uh, bound up in that word koinonia. Um, most often that word is translated in our New Testament by the words, uh, sometimes it's translated by the word fellowship. Sometimes it's translated by the word communion. Sometimes it's translated by the word sharing. And sometimes it's translated by the word participation. There are a, th a few others, I think, but those are the those are the four biggies, right? So I, I don't want to get bogged down on on all those words necessarily but but I do want to say a, a, a word quickly about the word fellowship because that's a church word right we we use that word a lot um, the trouble is I think for a lot of us when we talk about fellowship I think a lot of us think about that word merely as getting together to have fun or hang out or spend time together but what I want to say is the word carries a much deeper meaning and intention than just hanging out together, okay? The word koinonia, which is translated fellowship and some other ways, at its core, the idea is about interdependent, mutually supportive relationships, not just getting to watch, together to watch a ball game or, or something, right? Or eat a meal. God himself exists in community father son and spirit right and he intends for us to exist in community as well satan of course would much rather have us find significance in accomplishments rather than relationships but koinonia is about an association a society a fellowship a family of close mutually involved mutually supportive, loving relationships. And those relationships are so close 
um, that even though it's not used this way in the Bible, koinonia can be used of marriage and was in the ancient world. Um, the the extra biblical book of Third Maccabees uh, uses it that way in, in at least one instance. So, so what I want you to see is that, that, that koinonia is not talking about casual acquaintances here, okay? This is not your golfing buddies or your workmates. It's not even just about the people you sit next to for one hour a week on Sunday at church, all right? It's the idea of being really present in each other's lives at, at, a, at a heart and soul level, Okay. And the idea is that because of the, of the common spirit that we share as Christians, of God living equally in each one of us through, his, through, through the Holy Spirit that's been, that's been given to us, okay? Because of that, Christians have a close, intimate fellowship with God and thus with one another. And that is the depth of the relationship that we need to kind of have in mind when we think about this word koinonia, and when we read verses like 1 John 1, verse 3, where John says that what we have seen and heard, and we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship with us. That's our word koinonia. And indeed, our fellowship, he said, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So that word fellowship, again, koinonia. A few verses down, in verses 6 and 7, um, John will use the word koinonia again, and he'll say this. He'll say, if we say we have fellowship with God, in other words, a deep, connected, loving koinonia relationship with him, if we say we have fellowship with God, and yet we walk in darkness, we're lying and are not practicing the truth. See, those, those things are incompatible with one another. If we, if we have this kind of intimate, loving relationship with God and then we walk in darkness those two things don't go together we like we can't do that and that's what John's that's the point that John's uh, making there but he goes on to say if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light we do have fellowship or koinonia with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin Okay, so there's this close, intimate fellowship that we have with one another and with God that grows redemptively out of our relationship with God through Jesus. Okay, now, what is this, this koinonia, what, is, what does it actually look like in practice? Well, I'm glad you asked. So in Acts 2, verse 42 this is the, the, the earliest Christian community. This is right after Pentecost. This is, they're just, people are just, they've just kind of been brought into this family of God, okay? Um, and we're told there that, that the early post-Pentecost Christian community devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, there's our word, koinonia, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, Okay, that, so that word fellowship is the word koinonia. They were devoted to those kind, uh, kinds of relationships, among other things. But what did that look like? Well, the very next verses show us. They give us a picture of exactly what that looked like. Okay, so uh, Luke tells us this. Luke wrote the book of Acts. And Luke says, starting in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, 
that all the believers were together and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So there's a picture there of what like, like what life was like for these, these first Christians, right? They're living their lives together. They're sharing their stuff, right? They're taking care of each other. They're, they're, they're getting together regularly. They're in each other's lives. They're, they're having their meals together. They're, they're sincere and joyful and loving, okay? So koinonia was lived out in the Christian community sincerely in, in the way they just, they live together. They shared generously with each other, taking care of one, or, one another's needs and regarding every member of the community as essential, as just as important as every other member of the community. Okay? A few chapters later in Acts chapter 4, verses 34 and 35, we're told that there was not a needy person among them because everybody who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as they had need. So we need to understand, we're not, we're not talking about finances here, okay? We, we use these verses sometimes to talk about giving and sharing, and, and that's, that's fine. But I want you to see this is, like if we, if we just jump to finances and giving and, kind of, and, and, and don't go beyond that, I think we've missed something really important here, okay? Because this is less about giving to the needy than it is about the heart behind the giving. You see that? Koinonia is, is not just talking about generosity. It's describing a generous, caring, loving spirit toward one another. Okay? So we're not talking about finances. We're talking about relationship. And, and we understand this as human beings, right? There is nothing, for instance, I'll say it this way, there's nothing that I would not give or do for my family, for my wife, for my son, for my brother, for my, my parents, if they were still alive, they're not. Nothing. There's nothing I wouldn't give or do for my family. If they thought... If I thought for a minute that they needed something, I would move heaven and earth and everything that was in my power to help them, okay? And that is what the community of believers are, God's family. And so as Christians, they are our family. They're our brothers. They're our sisters. And that deep, heartfelt love for them is what the Spirit of God within us produces. The, the idea that I, I belong to these people and I will do anything for them. That's koinonia. And it is a fairly radical thing. There's another word here that I want to drop on you. 
and it's the Greek word alalone. Okay, alalone. And it is translated in the New Testament by the phrase, the very simple phrase, one another. And it's used loads and loads of places in the New Testament, okay? But here's the thing, and we're going to look at a few of those because there's a, well, I'll get to that in a second. Christianity, New Testament Christianity, has built into it the idea of Christians authentically involved in each other's lives, okay? It is the concept that is at the heart of Christianity. Sadly, though, a lot of Christians kind of miss that. I think... I don't want to say for most, but I kind of think maybe it's for most Christians. Christianity is about me and God. It's about me getting myself right with God. It's about me praying to God and talking to God and maybe doing good things for God. But it's mostly, and and you'll have you know you'll have some people involved kind of here and there, maybe at a at a largely superficial level. You'll go to church with them, and you know you maybe go to a potluck or uh, you know whatever. Christian acquaintances, right? We might think of them. But really, it's mostly just about God and me. And it's a very independent brand of Christianity that I think a lot of us live. But the Bible, on the other hand, paints a very different picture of healthy Christian relationships and and, and, and says that Christianity is not really supposed to be a a system of independence, but of interdependence. See the difference? In the intent of God, the church is not just a collection of individuals, but a a body, an organism of interdependent parts. And, And Paul will say that all of those parts are important. You know, um, he, he uses the body image to talk about, you know, the, 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 the big toe is, is, seems like a really insignificant part of the body, but boy, it's important, right? The, the, the little pinky, the thumb, the sense of hearing, you know, the eye is a tiny part of the body, but gosh, who wants to do without your eye, right? That's the way we view one another in the kingdom of God. Every part, even the parts that seem kind of small and insignificant, the one-talent people, are really, really important. Everybody is precious and necessary and needed. Okay? That's why Paul will say in Romans 12, 5, that we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. There's our word, all alone, one another. The idea is that we belong to one another. I don't belong to myself. I belong to you, and you belong to me. Now, I've got a, I've got a list here before me of a bunch of places all through the New Testament where the word all alone appears in a way that is, that is descriptive okay, of healthy Christian relationships. And, it, and if you look at those verses collectively, right, like read them all, and I, I'm, I'm not going to read them all for you. I, look, up, look up the phrase, right? You, there's, a, there's Bible dictionaries online. You can just look it up. Look up one another in the New Testament. You'll get lots of lists, right? 
read through those verses and don't just read the verse, the one little sentence where that, read the context, right? See what, see what the writer is saying around his use of that word, okay? Um, collectively, you look at them all and kind of put them all together. Collectively, those verses give a pretty good picture of what healthy, mutually supportive relationships with one another ought to look like. And when you, when you look at all of them, it paints a, a beautiful picture. And, and like I said, I can't go through all these today, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read just real quickly, kind of a, a shotgun approach. I'm going to read 10 of these for you, okay? And just, just listen and, and pi- picture in your mind's eye what, what, what's being described here, what, the, what a relationship like this looks, would actually look like if you were part of it, okay? And, and all these words, all these verses use this, this word, alone. Uh, one another, okay? Romans 12, verse 10. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 12, verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 13, verse 8. Do not owe anyone anything except... To love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Romans 14.13 Therefore let us no longer judge one another. Instead decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. Romans 14.19 So then let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Romans 15, verse 7, Therefore accept one another, just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. Galatians 5, 13, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Ephesians 4, verse 2, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love. Ephesians 4, verse 25, Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Ephesians 4, verse 32, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Okay, so there's, there's 10 of those, right? Most of them came from Romans and Ephesians. But there's more than that in the New Testament. But if you put, if you put all of those together, think about the qualities and the characteristics of uh, the, the relational characteristics that are being described in those, in those things. Put that all together into a picture of, of, of a family that lives like that. You've got a group of people living together in in those ways. Would you like to be part of a group of people like that? Would you? What would you give to be part of a family like that? A family that's always got your back. A family that doesn't judge you. A family that accepts you 
and, and yet tells you the truth and calls you to be better than you are, but, but loves you? What would you give to be part of a family like that? Do you think a family like that could show the world anything useful? Show their neighborhood, their city, their town? Do you think a family like that could change the world or at, at least their little part of the world? I do. And so does God. In fact, that is sort of the whole point. A family of God on earth who will bless the world and love the world and heal the world and treat the world with justice and with love and with kindness and with generosity and with respect and with peace. Empowered by the Spirit of God who created it. You see, transformation happens in loving, nurturing, blessing communities. It just does. People are changed by being a part of a family like that. We're changed through relationship, folks. If, and, and if other Christians are not significantly involved in your life, your development as a Christian is going to be stunted. And sadly, I think that's where a lot of Christians are. They've attended Bible classes and heard sermons for years but they've not really developed significantly beyond where they were when they were baptized. And maybe, just maybe, the missing ingredient is the kind of close, authentic, inter interdependent relationships depicted in Scripture and intended by the Father. In John 17, as Jesus prays just before his betrayal and arrest and crucifixion. He prays these words right at the very end. So John 17, there's a, there's a lengthy prayer there. And right at the very end of, of this prayer, John 17, 24 through 26, Jesus pr prays these words. He says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, he says, I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. This is the only place in Scripture where we get any kind of, of hint at all of what life was like for the Father, the Son, and the Spirit together before creation, when they were the only things, the only beings. What, what did life look like for them? This is the only place in Scripture that gives any hint of that. And what Jesus says is, you loved me. That's his description of what life was like for the, for, the, for the Trinity before any of us were around. You loved me. He, he depicts that community as a community of love. 
And in the very last words of his prayer there, he says that his heart's desire is for that same kind of perfect love that he has known as a part of God's family would be extended to his followers. See, God so very much wants to give us a family, his family. He wants us all to be a part of it and to share his love and truth with others so that they can experience what only he can give. And the only thing that has the power to change the world. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. As always, we'd appreciate it if you tell us about others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please uh, subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes or, or Spotify. I say iTunes. It's now, it's now Apple Music, isn't it? I keep calling it iTunes because I'm old. Um, please visit us on our Facebook page for the Jesus Society podcast. Um, we've got a Facebook group also. Um, check out our website, thejesussociety.com. Um, we've got our we've got our um, our episodes up on YouTube and Odyssey. Um, we're getting there um, slowly. Um, if you'd like to support the show and the, the the related ministry that I have here in my part of Tennessee, um, I've got a Patreon page, um, and there's a link for it in the show notes. And if you feel like God would have you support us. Um, we'd be grateful. But only do it if you think God wants you to do it. Thanks for listening. And remember, you are greatly loved.